Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Have you ever thought you're a little bit different than other people? The things seem to hit you a little harder or you're a little more sensitive, that can really make a difference when you're in relationship with other humans, of course. So today we're going to be talking with Debbie Lynn Grace. She is a transformational leader, and she is a person who is an expert on highly sensitive people. We're going to be talking that in relationship to those good old hijackals. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you hear things that help you. Things maybe you thought were only happening to you, and you find out that they're common if you happen to be with that category of people that I call hijackals, the relentlessly difficult people who hijack relationships just for their own purposes, and then they scavenge them for power, status, and control. So today I have my friend and colleague here. She's an expert on the people in the world who may take things a little sensitively and they're just made that way. (laughs) That's what happens. And why would they be attractive, particularly to hijackals? And why would they ever, ever suffer more than other people? Because that's exactly what happens. So welcome to the program, Debbie. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. It's good fun. This is Debbie Lynn Grace. She's a transformational leader. Before she was working in marketing and business growth. So she's had a lot of different things going on, but part of her life was always being interested in the energetics of living. And she is a gifted energy worker and empath and an intuitive. And her clients are global leaders, people of influence and high achieving professionals. And she leads people to look at how to lead an authentic life by looking at what is working and how to get to the highest vibration of your authentic power so that your work and your life purpose are aligned and your soul journey happens with ease and flow. So tell us, Debbie, what caused you to recognize that there were people who were highly sensitive? Well, <laughs> being that I'm born a sensitive person myself, it was interesting when I first started my marketing consulting business, um, I was, at, and at the same time I started that business, I also started to learn energy work and found that I had a gift for tracking energy and finding out where there's a lack of flow in a person or situation and be able to facilitate that flow so the energy flow is released. So that was back in, let's see, the mid 90s, if you can think back far enough that far that I started my business and I started to attract other people that were also, they were energy workers, holistic healers, 
um, life coaches, but people in the metaphysical realm started to come to me to help them grow their business. So unbeknownst to me, I was actually attracting people to work with that were very similar to me. But at that point, I wasn't even telling anybody I was an energy worker and intuitive. But as I started to learn more and more and my gifts of intuition and energy work started to develop, I, um, I became even more sensitive. So I had to use these tools and learn tools that kept me more grounded, kept me more in a state of flow, kept me more centered. And I found myself telling these same tools and giving them as an aside to all of my clients who wanted to help, you know, they came to me to help them grow their business, but I ended up giving them tools on grounding because if you're not grounded, you can't really grow your business. So that's sort of how I kind of got into it. And through the years, I just kept attracting more and more people, turns out that were empathic and highly sensitive, no matter what reason they came to me. And I kept repeating these same tools to help them really thrive in their everyday life. So it happened sort of organically. It wasn't something I was necessarily looking for. (laughs) Right. And so when you started to recognize the similarities, what traits did you identify that made these people kind of in a similar category? Well, I think, you know, just by nature and by definition, I'll give, you know, sort of my definition of being highly sensitive. Um, by, by definition, being highly sensitive means that you have a heightened sensitivity to your five senses, taste, smell, touch, hearing, sight, and people that are, um, so, and it's the way your brain is wired is how you respond to your senses. So the way I describe it is for somebody that's highly sensitive, they were born without a shock absorber system. And so if somebody is, is not highly sensitive, they have this shock absorber system that if there's a, like a loud noise, they don't experience it at a really intense level versus somebody that's highly sensitive wasn't born with that shock absorber. So they might experience it more intensely. Well, when your actual physical senses sort of get knocked off balance because it feels like an energy surge. You know, like when you have a lightning hits, you know, electricity and you get this power surge, that's what somebody that's highly sensitive would experience when they have something, something kind of heightened coming towards them. Loud voice, bright light, um, you know, a smell that's really, really sharp. They'll experience it more heightened. And so how this affects people is it also affects when you've kind of gotten knocked off your center because you've gotten a surge it starts to affect your patterns of how you behave, how you think, how you react to people. So now it starts to spill into relationships and how you respond to relationships when you've gotten sort of a, you know, a surge that's affected your senses. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And, you know, I think like for myself, if I'm watching some mindless television or something, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden something shocking happens, you know, somebody appears out of the dark or something, I am like, bam, completely blown off the bed, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I feel the whole thing. So I do understand that. And some people would go, oh, what's happening on the tube? But no, I'm right there in the experience having (laughs) the whole thing. So I would certainly understand that. And it can happen on subtle levels too, can't it? Well, yeah, it can happen at at subtle levels. Um, 
just even words can make a difference because people, people that are sensitive take in the impact of a word. So think about in dialogues with people, they're taking in, but understand somebody that's highly sensitive and, and you, you'd understand this is that because your, your senses are always out there feeling the experiences, you learn to sort of protect yourself, like what's safe and what's not. And this starts to also mess with sort of how you, how you view the world, how you view relationships and how you show up in relationships. So guarding against any kind of energy, you know, um, highly sensitive people are super sensitive to energy vampires. You know, somebody that just sucks you dry, you know, of your energy. And so if you don't have the tools to really thrive in your day-to-day living so that you don't take it in and internalize that stuff, um, it'll be much more challenging. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think too about people who are empathic and perhaps highly sensitive and they'll lean into people who have needs and they'll lean and lean and lean and lean until they tip, right? Yeah. And they they really believe that they sh- they have this need to take care of and scoop up and make right and all of that. So how does one stay centered when one recognizes that they're kind of easy to tip? Well, I I think you'll you'll know the signs. Okay, so first of all, you got to know the signs within yourself. So one of them is if you're the people pleaser, which is one of the things you just said, right? So in other words, the people pleaser, right? Make sure everybody's okay. Because somebody that's empathic intuitively knows when things aren't right. They can just walk in the room, know when things are not right. Somebody's unhappy. Something's not good. Nobody even has to say anything. So somebody that doesn't have a strong sense of themselves and they don't have a strong sense of their own boundaries, they're going to leave you said, and going to want to take care of everybody to make sure, every, sure everybody is okay. So one of the things is in terms of how do you like not like over tip as what, as what you said is to be really clear, first of all, what's a good yes and what's a good no? Mm-hmm. Like when is it appropriate to come in and never have, never with the intention of saving the day but when is, it, when is it right for you to offer your assistance, to offer your help? And when, when somebody asks you not to be the people pleaser, when is it appropriate to say no so that you take care of yourself? Because it's, I always say like the analogy, when they, you know, when they make the announcement when you're on a plane and they say, if you've got a child with you, put the mask on yourself first before you put it on the child. Because if you're dead or you're unconscious... <laughs> can't help the child, right? Put the mask on the child. Not much good, right? So it's sort of the same thing with somebody that's highly sensitive. You have to know first that you're good and you're taken care of first so that when you're giving to somebody else, you're not depleting your energy and basically creating somewhat of a codependent type of situation that Mm -hmm. you, you know, so... Yeah, I tell my clients the same thing, highly sensitive or not, that you can get out of balance by thinking, how do I make the other person happy? How do I make sure the other person's not going to yell? How do I make sure the other person doesn't leave me? When we're always other focused, right? Our energy goes away to the other person. And so I'm always saying, no, no, you know, 
come back to yourself and say, there are two of us in this equation and we need to find some balance. Sure, there are times, you know, your partner's mother dies. You're going to lean in that direction. You're going to lean in their direction when they had a bad day. But we're talking about large swings of leaning and, and unnecessarily large swings because we've forgotten ourselves. Yeah. We've forgotten that, no, I have to stay straight here so that I am not going to tip. Otherwise, I'm no use to myself or the other person anyway. Right. Well, and, and you, know, you know, everything that you talk about with a hijackal, they look for people that are off kilter. You know, they'll look for somebody who's highly sensitive that is the people pleaser because they'll okay. keep that person always off their center. And as somebody that's highly sensitive, if you are not grounded and in your center, you will respond almost always out of either self-preservation and self-preservation is I better please that person so they don't yell at me again, or they don't, you know, react, you know, throw their energy in my direction. That's scary. Um, And they'll look for somebody that's like that. And that is as you know, your whole radio, your whole program is about, right? It's yeah. saying, oh no, let's get you back in your center. <laughs> yeah, well, the, well, the thing is that when you get with, with somebody who has hijackal tendencies, they love people, as you say, my term for that would be pre-groomed for them. They're yeah. already set up to take on this dynamic. And so they're, they're scanning for people who are pre-groomed. Like, I don't have to teach them to take my, my guff. You know, they, they will. And they will scurry to please me. Maybe they're a little desperate. Maybe they're a little needy. Maybe they're really looking for a relationship. And so they, you know, I always say, Debbie, that when you're dating, you should whip off those rose-colored glasses because it's really, really hard to see red flags when you're wearing <laughs> rose-colored glasses, right? Yeah. And so if, if I am just like people writing dating profiles, they'll say to me, well, I'm, I'm ready to date. And I said, well, show me your profile. And I'll look at the profile and it will all be about, well, how can I make them like me? And I will say, do you recognize that what you're trying to do in this is to capture somebody to like you as opposed to saying what you want? Right. And that very basic dynamic is what I hear you talking about is to be able to say, I have to stay present in this relationship and I have to know me so that I am not bending over backwards in the wrong places at the wrong time too frequently. Yeah, I, 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 I would say put an exclamation point behind that statement <laughs> because I think if somebody is not solid, anybody, whether they're highly sensitive or not, but particularly somebody that's highly, highly sensitive, if they're looking to date or be in a relationship, they have to be solid on what their own needs are and what really nourishes them. That is not dependent always on somebody else. You know, if you, if you were to ask somebody, you know, what makes you happy and everything in the column was dependent on somebody else to make you happy, there's a problem there. <laughs> that's a, that's a red a flag. There's a big problem say. there. Yeah, you know, yeah. you use the word codependent and I, you know, I, I think that word is accurate. It came from the addiction literature 
um, where we have enablers and codependents and things. But there is some, some drift over into life in general. And if we just stick with the term that people pleaser, meaning that we care about the other person more than we care about ourselves. We care that the other person likes us more than we care if we like them or if we're yeah. happy with them. Very simplistically, do you know, it's hard to teach people sometimes that no is a complete sentence because I want to come back to your yes and no <laughs> thing. You know, sometimes yeah. when I'm saying you do know that no is a complete sentence, yeah. you really don't have to give a reason for why you're saying no. People yeah. are quite shocked by that. Yeah, well, I... Um, I would say that when I when I teach uh, programs for highly sensitive people in a way that gives them the tools to thrive in their everyday life, one of the things I do talk about is setting strong boundaries and this whole thing about when are you considered a generous person and when are you considered an overgiver? Because mm-hmm. an overgiver falls into that people pleaser and falls into meaning you've got very weak boundaries. And I actually give them guidelines on when to say yes and when to say no, literally guidelines. And the first, you know, if you're coming from a place of abundance, it allows you to be a generous person. You know, you're a very generous person, Roberta. You know, I, you know, I consider myself a fairly generous person. When generosity means that you have an abundance and it's allowing you to fully self-express yourself. Understand that sometimes for a highly sensitive person who does who has pretty weak boundaries, being a people pleaser and an overgiver is actually a protection mechanism. Yeah. It's not because they're trying, they want to be, but they do it under the guise of being a generous person because they might actually be a generous person, but they're confusing the two. They'll use that as a protection mechanism because if I please you and I make you happy, you're not going to get mad at me. You're not going to be upset with me. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to criticize me. You're not going to judge me. So it becomes a, you know, a real protection mechanism. And it's not an honest boundary, you know, boundary or saying I'm giving generous because I'm choosing, you know, I'm choosing in this moment. It feels right. And, and you, you know, and you can pull back and say no at any moment. Interesting distinction. I like that. Um, I think that when people don't understand their motives, you know, at a deep level, because they, they do think that a good person does X, right? And so they're in that mode and, and they can pick up on what the other person needs because they're highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then they, they deem themselves the supplier of what that person needs. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not your job. Maybe you just need to say to that person, have you ever thought that you may need some of that? Go get it somewhere else. Yeah, well, I'll take this one step further because I, when I work with men in particular that are highly sensitive and consider themselves, they take their role as a protector and a provider in the relationship very seriously. And for them, and they have a generous spirit, I've had men that are really in a quandary about this. Because what happens is it gets to the point where they want to protect, they want to provide in their relationship, they are generous by nature, but then they feel like they're getting nothing back. And then they start to build resentment. And mm-hmm. ultimately, it, remember that ulterior motive, the ulterior motive like moves out of the category of I'm a generous person and I, 
I, I, you know, I feel good about protecting and providing. That's part of, you know, my identity. It moves now into the category of, I'm just going to keep doing it until finally I get something back. Like they start to become starved to receive back love and affection or acknowledgement or appreciation. Any of those that really, you know, feed a man, uh, you know, so this is where it becomes dicey that you really have to be fully self-accountable and understand the distinctions. I get that <laughs> because if yeah. you become, it, you know, there are people who like to be the person who provides everything male yeah. or female, you know, in whichever role they're playing, they like to be the one who can solve the problems, make you feel better, uh, pick you up when you're down, provide for you. If you can't provide, be the one who is the inspiration. They like to be all things to all people and they get very tired trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but they have no mechanisms for restoring themselves. So it would be really important to have the ability to restore yourself as well in the, in the quiet when you're not with that person, wouldn't it? Yeah, hugely. I mean, I, everybody's got certain tanks that they have to have filled at a minimum. And we're living in a moment right now where a lot of our tank fillers, right, have been taken away in this crazy world that we're living in, right? And so everybody at a minimum has, every human has certain tanks that when they're low, they, their actions start to get wonky, as, as, you, as you said, right? And they get off their center. So the tank of sleep, right? A tank of love and affection, a tank of adventure, a tank of fun. You know, what's your, what's your tank filler for fun? And so every human has, I mean, some people have different tanks, but everyone has some primary ones that aren't just about survival. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good enough to wake up in the morning and I'm still alive because I ate and drank, you know, drank water and had some sleep. That's survival and I have a roof over my head. You and I are not here on this planet to help people just survive. <laughs> We Although are sometimes uh, I think people do think that that's what's happening because they're not sure they're going to survive. They're so hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So tank fillers are hugely important, like hugely important to make sure that you're, that you're nourished. Well, I think too, you have to learn to be your own tank filler and that's the next step. I mean, once you realize some of the things that you're talking about, I think it becomes imperative to also um, know that there are techniques and strategies where you can fill your own tank to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's some things that are just super simple, especially for somebody that's highly sensitive. One of them is nature. Like, you know, being out in nature actually really does something to your energy vibration. It absorbs um, and kind of restores you know, and, and I've worked with many highly sensitive people. Some are really uh, tied to the earth. They literally are so sensitive to the earth. They can feel when something's not right with the earth. Some people are more tied to trees. Some people are more, I'm an ocean person. So the ocean just completely restores me when I have some time with the ocean. So that's an example of what you're talking about where, and that really is important for highly sensitive people. Get some time outside, get some fresh air, be out in nature. Yes, and she really didn't mean tied to trees. She meant connected. <laughs> <laughs> That's a distinction. 
<laughs> but you know, I, yes. I, I couldn't help but giggle when you said that. But, but yes. you know, to know that nature is restorative <laughs> is really. I, I will say though, I will say I have had clients like want to like when I've, they've been at my live events, we've gone outside, I've gone straight to a tree and just hugged it. <laughs> I definitely have some tree huggers if that means anything. <laughs> Well, that's a connection for sure, but yeah. I'm happy to hear that you didn't tie them to it and leave them no, there. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, on a serious note, highly sensitive people are so susceptible for hijackles to find them. It's an energetic that is very attractive to hijackles. So what would you say the traits of a highly sensitive person are, if you just were to list them, that makes them vibrate at a level that the hijackle says, oh, there's a live one? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you the most specific one because it's not about so much that all highly sensitive people are more attractive to a hijackle. What it, 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 the distinction is a highly sensitive person that doesn't have a strong sense of themselves, that doesn't have a strong sense of boundaries, because a hijackal will look for somebody that does not, that has weak boundaries, you know, right? And so, again, if somebody being born without that shock absorber system and always having your senses out there, you're not necessarily born with that strong sense of yourself. That is something you have to learn. And you, it can easily be instilled in you with, you know, depending on how you, you know, grew up with your parents. If your parents always reinforced and you grew up more confident and self-confident, then you have a stronger sense of yourself. But a lot of people, a lot of people I've worked with don't have a strong sense of themselves. They, and they do have weak boundaries. They don't know what the word no means, or they feel guilty if they say no. Um, they don't have, they will put everybody else in front of them before they put in front, you know, in front of themselves, take care of themselves. So those would be the qualities that somebody would be really, I, I think, attractive to a hijackal because they know that, you know, now I can keep that person off, off balance and they're still going to keep coming back. They're still going to want more, you know, and as you know, sometimes hijackals can be super charismatic. So they the like they'll say part. everything. Yeah. So sometimes they can say all the right things. They draw in that person and then. Yeah. That's then what we call love somewhere. bombing. And mm -hmm. that's what they do. I mean, they're chameleons. They'll be whomever you need them to be. So yeah. they can read you like a book and they say, Oh, you know, she yeah. or he would like to hear this or go there, or receive this, or they like those words. They brighten up when I say those words. And always be careful, everybody, especially if you get into the dating world, that a hijackal can't keep it up, no pen intended. They <laughs> can't keep the act up because yeah. they just want to get you using the act and then after that, that person won't exist anymore because it's not who they really are. So that's yeah. what the love bombing is, is I'll be who you want me to be. But the, the big red flag, always looking for the red flags, you know, the big red flag is they're always in a hurry. You know, you'll meet somebody and they say, oh, I just know I'm going to marry you. 
I mean, they're already grooming you to go quickly. They'll yeah. want to marry you, move in with you, or have a baby with you, yes. do something to get you beholden and into the power dynamic with them. And yeah. a highly sensitive person can be swept off their feet thinking, oh, I finally died and gone to heaven. The perfect person has arrived. And look, they want me and they want to do all these wonderful things. Let me give them my life savings and let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah, and then shocked shocked when all of a sudden their true character you know the true character comes out right and and you know they blow up at them or something you know or or worse and then the highly sensitive person when they're caught in that cycle they'll just keep being nicer to to please to hopefully get that that person back right they want to you know they want that person back that was doing the love bombing kind of thing yes and and that's what i call being hooked on hope they hook you on the hope that that love bombing person is coming back Mm -hmm. and so every now and again they're really nice to you and it's just like let me give this little insurance policy that you're not going anywhere and then i'll start abusing you again yeah and so at that moment when you've had a little taste of love bomb you think yeah i wasn't wrong that's the real person they really do love me and the question that i always put to people is how are you doing with my formula which is abb and I always give this on every summit and every place I'm a guest is that you need to have it carved into the inside of your forehead. (laughs) And maybe all highly sensitive people need to. ABB stands for always believe behavior. When you hear those words of love, when you get those gifts, when you do all of that, believe the behavior. How are they treating you generally? Yeah. I, I always say actions speak louder than words, you know, and, and I also believe like what you said earlier, that people always reveal themselves fairly quickly, you know, right? And if your eyes are open. Yeah, if your eyes are open. And I, I will say one thing, um, the greatest gift I believe, and I, and I believe being highly sensitive is truly a gift. I wouldn't be able to do the work I do in the world without the gift of being highly sensitive. So I really embrace it. And I... I think that one of the greatest things about being highly sensitive is you also, people that are highly sensitive to are more in tuned to their intuition. And I will say as a person who's been through, you know, a number of relationships that I had to really, I always listen to my intuition, in my regular everyday life in my business, working with my clients, it's a hundred percent accurate. Your intuition is always right. But when you get into that state of that oxytocin, when you get into that, you know, that, that honeymoon phase or, or you get that chemistry that, you know, you know, puts your body until like, I want it. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. You have that kind of chemistry. If you don't have a solid relationship with your intuition, because your intuition will come in and say, uh, hold on. You know, I've never talked to anybody that in hindsight, once we start really talking it through, did not, the red flags weren't there. And now they will acknowledge them. And I'm sure you see this all the time. But if you allow your, and you really work on that intuition and trust it, even if that person in front of you is saying all the right things, even if they're giving some of the actions right now that are all the right things, but your intuition is really talking to you and saying something's not right here, listen Mm -hmm. to it. Always listen to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, always, always listen to it. Even when that part of you that wants to say, oh, but he or she is so wonderful. Yes. And your yes. gut's going, back off. No, back off. <laughs> back off. <laughs> yes. All right. So, so I want to talk about one phrase that you use, and I'd, I'd like you to define it for me, particularly in the case of highly sensitive people. What okay. do you mean when you say stand in your power? So standing in your power is, you know, is a correlation to really having a strong sense of yourself, but it goes a little bit beyond that. Having a strong sense of yourself and your own worth and value. And your power is really what you know to be truth is what makes you so valuable. It's not to try and, you know, convince somebody else like to say, look, I've got this, this, and this. So I'm really valuable and, you know, love me or like me or whatever it is. It's when you own your own value, when you own what makes you all the, like the components, the juiciness, the uniqueness that makes you powerful. Like I feel that being highly sensitive is actually part of my power. It really is. I, am, I feel blessed by God to have gotten this gift. Um, and, and I use it in a way that um, helps me in my work with other people. And yeah, some, some of the things are annoying, loud noise, kind of annoying, you know? but I wouldn't trade that for the kind of empathy and the kind of safety and, and work that I do with people. So that's really owning your power. And it's not a one thing. It's a multiple, the multiple things that, that encompass you and the uniqueness of you and you owning that and realizing that that combination, the totality of that makes you a powerful human being. Mm-hmm. And I, I use the phrase too, and I have this image I give people, which is just think of yourself as standing with your feet slightly apart, your hands at your sides, your jaw parallel to the floor, and life is just coming towards you, and you're not moving, right? Like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that person is doing this. But that person can't knock you over. You know, that, that you can stand there and you can be strong and you can say yes and you can say no and you can not like some people. That's okay, mm-hmm. right? You can listen to your intuition and say, oh, they're putting on a good show over there, but it doesn't feel right to me. Let me explore that. Let me trust myself enough to explore that. And yeah. I think that's powerful too. Yeah, it is powerful. And, and I think everything that we're, you know, you're talking about and I'm talking about boils down to really one thing, which is the power of choice. When you get into this kind of relationship, that pleasing relationship, you abdicate your choice. You abdicate your choice to the, per, the other person. You give them, you're giving away your power. So, you know, you standing in your power is saying, I have choice in everything. You know, I have choice in how I feel about, how I'm going to interpret this experience, how I'm going to respond to this experience. I have choice in saying yes or no in this moment. I have choice of showing up the way I want to show up, which, you know, fully expressed the way I want to be fully expressed. I have choice in what my needs are and how those needs get met. You know, that's, that's the ultimate place and power. And that's the gift that every human being has. If they're willing to accept it. Yes. You have to feel like you deserve that gift. You have to feel that you deserved being given it the moment you were born. 
you know, even if you were born into a circumstance where people were very, very happy to take away all your rights and freedoms, um, you draw breath and you take up space on this earth and you can reclaim it. And Debbie helps you. I help you. Get help if you need it. You can find Debbie at DebbieLynnGrace.com. And that's D-E-B-B-I-E-L-Y-N-N-G-R-A-C-E.com. And Debbie, I want to ask you, you talk about, because we've talked a lot, Debbie and I, disclaimer, have been friends for almost 20 years. Um, So you talk a lot about a state of flow. What do you mean by that? Um, A state of flow is that place where you feel the most free to be fully self-expressed. So you, you feel, you know, we were talking about choice in that moment. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it the way I always explain it energetically. Okay. So it's much easier to know when you're not in a state of flow and you know, when you are in a state of flow, when you have fears going on in your head, if you have worries, if you have self doubt in a dialogue in your head, right? Any kind of dialogue that puts yourself down as self-critical, self-judgmental, fears, worries. You basically are cutting the energy off, the energy flow off from the neck down, which is why if it gets strong enough and there's so much pressure going on inside your head because of that dialogue and there's no flow, no release of pressure, you feel what happens. You keep feeling that dialogue looping in your head. You might get a headache, backache, shoulder ache, neck ache, or turn into an actual chronic illness. So a flow is when energetically is when you have maximum flow of energy moving all the way through your body, which in real practical terms, take some deep breaths, you know, stop holding your breath. And you'll notice that if you take some deep cleansing breaths, inhaling and exhaling through your, from your belly, and you've got all that internal dialogue going on, you'll notice that that dialogue starts to loosen up. It starts to fade into the background, starts to go away. So it's easier for me to explain it energetically because everybody feels it every day, especially when they're tense, anxious, anxiety. That's a lack of flow. (laughs) State of flow is when you're feeling peaceful, calm, (laughs) serene, stillness, like all of those would be a state of flow. (laughs) Able to handle what life serves out. Yeah, you've got the capacity to, to, you know, make decisions and, and handle what's giving to you in life. Yes. Well, I wanted you to clarify that because I know you have a gift for everyone and it's in the show notes and it is a program bonus program, a meditation audio, and it's called seven easy tips to quickly get into a state of flow. And I wanted you to know what that was before we offered the gift, but (laughs) it's available. Just look in the show notes, you know, and the reason I have a pen in my hand and you all know this is that I take notes when people are talking so I could put them in the show notes so you can just listen. So if you miss something, it'll be in the show notes for you. If not, of course, you're quite welcome to listen again. Thank you, Debbie, for being with me. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you having me on your show. Well, I'm excited we could do it because Debbie's not always easy to pin down to get these great ideas. And here we have her. So we're lucky today. If you've enjoyed this, tell your friends, invite them to come on over. If you enjoy and get value from the podcast, you can be a supporter. Go to patreon.com slash save your sanity. There you can pledge a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred thousand dollars a month to see this work continue. And I hope you will. Patreon.com slash save your sanity. And Debbie's 
website, debbylyngrace.com. You always find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. And I hope you will come on over there. You can even listen to all the podcasts there. So until we meet again, take very good care of yourself. Debbie Lynn has said it. I say it to you. You're precious. You're valuable. You deserve to take up space and draw breath. And I hope that you will treat yourself in a very great way that says yes to that. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon. Thank you.